Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. We're looking ahead to 2022. I'm going to start this with Romans 15:13, which is kind of one of my favorite verses among many. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for all of you, too. So as you know, in entering another year, the spiritual battle continues. But we must not lose heart because of who he is and because of who we are in him. Dave is going to bring attention to so many different issues and challenges that we're going to face and how we as God's people must be and what we must do in the coming year to overcome. I'm going to share a couple of those topics and give some statistics to just a couple of those because I believe that these are the reasons for the rapid corruption and crumbling of our nation. So according to Pew Research Center, today the percentage of Americans that identify as Christians is the lowest that has ever been before. Only 63% of Americans identified as Christians in 2021. The percentage of con Christians continue to go down and the percentage of Americans that identify as nuns, not N-U-N-S, N-O-N-E-S, is at an, a new all-time record high. 29% of all Americans now identify as nuns, which means they have no belief. They're not atheists. They're not anything. They don't believe anything. And now I just want to go to the family, because I believe this is the reason for the de deterioration of our nation. There, out of 130 million households in the United States, 17.8% contain married parents with children. A drop from over 40% in 1970. And if you have noticed, which I'm sure you have, that our entertainment is anti-family, our culture is anti-family, and many of our politicians are openly anti-family. Right now, just 23.1 million American homes contain a married couple with children. The last time that number was that low was in 1959. That's because the population was way less then. There are nearly a third of all U.S. families with children are single-parent families. That has tripled since 1965. About 30% of Americans, America's families with children under 18 years old amounts to 10 million households that are single-parent families. 75% are headed 
by a mother only. That's astounding. The birth rate in the United States is at the lowest level ever recorded. In May, the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention released a report that revealed the U.S. birth rate fell 4% last year, the largest single year decrease in nearly 50 years. And according to one recent survey, an all-time record high, 44% of childless adults in the United States under the age of 50 say that it is likely they will never have children. After decades of dropping numbers, birth rates have now fallen beneath replacement level in every single U.S. state. It takes approximately 2.1 children per woman just to be at replacement level, and not one U.S. state is currently at that level or above. And then moving to the support for Roe versus Wade is now at the highest level ever measured. Two-thirds of voters questioned in a Fox News national poll conducted in this last September wanted to keep in place Roe, which legalized abortion nationwide. The 65% opposed to overturning the abortion ruling was a record jump up from 61% a year ago. That's why the battle continues, and we continue in 2022 to battle for the unborn. Amen. As well as fighting and doing our part against human trafficking. We must not give up. So due to the staggering decline of the nuclear, which now that's the new name, used to be traditional, used to be intact. Now the name for traditional family is called the nuclear family. We can understand why the unborn, unborn are seen as not valuable and children are exploited and used to feed the evil of the blind and the deceived. Our culture is deeply deceived by a worldview that is in opposition to God and his word. And sadly, we see those that say they are Christians also embrace a cultural worldview. The church is in trouble as well. And when the family that God ordained in his word disintegrates, our churches, our community, communities, and our nation crumbles. That's why you and I, we must uphold the family and family values. Be the husbands, the fathers, the men of God, the leaders in your home that you need to be. And ladies, be the women of God, the wives and the mothers, grandparents that we need to be to our children. That's the only way anything would ever turn around, you guys, versus Jesus coming, is if the family is restored. We have a responsibility. Amen? So let's be that. When 20, I know some of you guys have made um, your New Year's resolution. Maybe you've already started your diet and you, you know, what, what, whatever you do for the new year. 
those pale in comparison to what we need to be spiritually. We need to be holy men and women of God, upholding the word of God and living the word of God wherever we are. And men, I want to challenge you. We need you. We need you to be men of God. When I gave you that statistic of how many single parent families there are, and it's the mothers, where's the men? Where's the dads? It's because we have families that are absent of dads. I want you to know your role as a man, as a man of God, I cannot tell you how valuable that is to your family, to your workplace, to the community, and to our church. We need you men to step up. And I'm not saying us women don't need to step up. We need to, too, for sure. But men, we need you. We need you to lead us. We need you to be godly, holy men that uphold God and his word. I want to close with this. That it's important that we are aware and discerning of the times in which we live. And we need to do our part by speaking up, providing support, and praying. But we must not allow what we might see happening to distract us or deter us from the mission that God has called us to. And sadly, I've seen too many Christians get sidelined because of not keeping the main thing the main thing. And what's the main thing? The main thing is the gospel. And we are to be living, speaking the gospel everywhere we go. That's our mission. That's what we're supposed to do. I appreciate what Marilyn has shared. And so for those of you who are worried about, oh, no, now Dave's up there. <laughs> A condensed version of what we want to say and what we want to be able to. I want to begin with just reminding everybody we like to do this every year at this time. We do have a mission statement that we live by here at Wellspring and is a very simple one, to glorify God through loving and making disciples of all people. That is our mission statement here at Wellspring. How are we, how should we as a church as believers to navigate through what is up ahead and, and live out this mission? How do we not allow ourselves to be diminished? How do we not allow ourselves to be diminished as followers of Jesus Christ, but continue instead to shine brighter, remain steadfast, stay focused, enduring in the faith, fulfilling our God-given purpose. How? Of course, what I refer to as what is up ahead is just kind of a term because most of us realize it's really already here. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's already here. There is a war on against the family, as Marilyn has made very clear. A war is on against biblical values, evidenced by its rapid decline in our nation. A war on sexually, with sexuality, justice issues, social issues, 
with emerging movements such as LBGTQ, and it's like it just keeps adding. I understand they've added another letter. I don't know if you're aware of this. It's the letter I has now been added, and it stands for intersex. If you don't know what that is, just a real simple definition, it is those that it's sort of similar to the transgender, only an operation not required. Just whatever you want to be that day kind of thing. Okay? That's been added to it. And while woke and CRT and cancel culture are not necessarily new, um, critical race theory can be traced all the way back to the Civil War. Those are not necessarily new. The problem is that they have been taken over by people with a very non-biblical <laughs> agenda. That's the problem. The move toward global government on the rise, and because of the decline in biblical values, there is no shortage of false teaching. And the spirit of this age is behind it all. Amen? So what are we to do? Well, the Bible has answers for that question from cover to cover, really. Such as the one given in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles and you'd like to kind of follow along with me, 2 Timothy chapter 3. As believers who belong to a mighty all things are possible God we must realize that we are and I appreciate Danny sharing this we are his hands and feet that we are the ones to get things done in the name of Jesus Christ right folks we are the ones to get things done in his power in his name in the face hear me now of adversity while pessimists shrink back into the shadows complaining while, you know, complaining about today and, and then whining about wanting something better. Clearly, the Apostle Paul was a positive thinking kind of guy. <laughs> he saw the potential for good to emerge from every situation, from every circumstance. He never doubted the power of God to turn any difficulty towards the gospel's advantage. He never lost touch with reality. He didn't maintain a positive attitude by ignoring evil. And neither can we. Right, folks? This third chapter of 2 Timothy chapter 3 is interesting because after reflecting on the past and commenting on the present circumstances, the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, is sitting in a Roman dungeon, writes this letter to Timothy, encouraging him towards the future. Wow. I thought, that's a pretty good passage for us tonight, don't you think? Pretty good passage. Now, what I'm going to do with the first five verses of chapter 3 is I'm going to highlight the meaning of a few of the words in, in that passage, okay? So just bear with me. First Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. But mark, the word there means to know, to understand, this. There will be terrible. That word refers to violent, dangerous, hard times in the last days. 
people will be lovers of themselves. You maybe have heard me refer to those, these words, selfish, self-centered. That's what that word means. Lovers of money, boastful, meaning braggarts, proud, meaning arrogant, abusive. This is referring to slanderous speech, mockers, that kind of thing. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. This describes someone who is cold and hard-hearted. Unforgiving, this is talking about someone who is irreconcilable. Slanderous, now this is an interesting word. In the Greek, it's, the, it's actually the word diablos. You know what that means, don't you? Yeah. In other words, this word slanderous here is like devil-like. <laughs> Wow. Without self-control, brutal, the term means savage. Not lovers of the good, treacherous. Another interesting word. This is describing a traitor or a betrayer. Rash, describing someone who is thoughtless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Continuing to ascribe what the last days will look like, Paul says in verses 12 and 14, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Those are always good words to hear, aren't they? <laughs> While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, and then I love verse 14, but as for you, there's that word, but, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have become convinced of, which is what? Well, for Timothy, it was the truth, right? Which we see referred to in verse 16, meaning all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now flip over to chapter 4 and look at verse 2. This verse, and it'll be no surprise to you because of what I do here, just jumped out at me again. <laughs> Preach the word. I love that. And, and I, will, I will just say, I, I, I appreciate that scripture, have read it a gazillion times, but this last time, something went off in me that was good and encouraging. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Oh, and by the way, he's not just talking to ministers here. Well, are we good on that? Yes. Talking to you <laughs> as well. Rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And then look at verse 5. There that word is again, Bobby. But you, 
Keep your head. Don't you love that? Don't get distracted. Don't become depressed. Don't, don't get overwhelmed because of what's going on around. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Without doubting the goodness or sovereignty of God, Paul, in effect, declares here, difficult times will come. The gospel will prevail in the end. But the days between today and when that glorious time happens, that glorious time of victory, there will be, it will be filled with ever-increasing evil in the gap. In between, he says, basically, he's declaring, anticipate victory. Are you ready for this next part? But prepare for battle. Wow. I probably could end right there. I'm not, but. <laughs> but I love that. Prepare for victory. but also prepare for battle. And isn't it interesting, folks, that we've already come across additional insight with regards to the question, what, what can we do, right? And, and we've found it already in 1 Corinthians, in our study in Corinthians. Remember, let me remind you what Paul said, chapter 7, verses, he said it three times, 17, 20, and 24, that we are to, as believers, responsible to God, remain the same. Remember that? Remain as you are. Remain how you were when God called you. Along with other things that we've talked about, and he's referring to Jews remain Jew, Gentiles remain Gentiles. He was talking about circumcision, uncircumcision. But along with that, I think it also includes meaning born again. Not falling away, born again, new creations, joint heirs, Delivered out of darkness and delivered into God's awesome light. This means we are not to run and hide. Are you hearing me? And allow ourselves as followers of Christ to, here's this word again, I used it earlier, to be diminished. We are not to allow the light that has dawned on us to be snuffed out. Actually, it is to be quite the opposite, right? We are the army of the Lord. The battle has already been won. We must live our lives based on that truth since, and here we are back to Corinthians, since, maybe you heard this a time or two, we are not our own. Yeah, I knew you knew it. Why? Because, Paul says, we have been bought at a price. And then he said there, therefore, a good word that word therefore what's it there for <laughs> honor God honor God this is not a time to be in retreat not a time to relinquish God-given authority amen God-given authority. Every single one of us have God-given authority as followers of Jesus Christ. And nor is it a time to give up territory, spiritually speaking. 
I think about the people of Israel having only possessed about a third of the land that God had actually promised them. They came up way short, didn't they? And then I liken that to the people of God today. Follow me now. Could it be that there are whole areas of our lives that have not yet been brought into submission to the Lord? In terms of transformation, I think we get a little confused here sometimes. And I want to clarify that tonight. God is not trying to improve on the old you. This is huge. It really is. Because many of you have struggled for a long time trying to get victory and move forward in your walk with Jesus Christ, thinking that it's the old you that God's trying to make better. Nothing could be further from the truth. Paul wrote in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that you are not to be a better old you, he says you are what? A new creation. Where do we ever come up with the idea that he's trying to improve on the old us? That's where our problem is, I think. He's not trying to make better the character traits that you inherited from your parentals. <laughs> Paul says you're a new creation. And then he also says in teaching in Ephesians, he talks about the new self created to be like God. Ephesians 4.24. What's Paul saying? He's saying Jesus living in you is what makes you the new creation. Are you hearing that? This means allowing Jesus to overcome the old person that you were, rendering it dead, spiritually rising up in resurrection power so that the new you, the new creation you, is Jesus in you. Did I confuse you? <laughs> new creation. The old must die and go away. Amen? The new has come, and the new is represented in a person, and that person has a name, and his name is Jesus. And so may, may we, moving forward, reestablish God's will, calling and purpose for our lives, renew our commitment, upgrade our devotion, elevate our surrender to our King, and claim the whole spiritual territory, not only for our own lives, church, but also for our church, for our nation, for our world. Moving forward, we must be wise and discerning to the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. Now, I really want you to hear me here because this, this was really important. And this whole little thing that I'm giving you right now hinges around this little part right here. And I so appreciate and I agree. And Marilyn, when Marilyn said that we are so thankful for all of you because you are amazing people of God. But here's what we need to know and be aware of and keep our eyes opened on. There is an enemy out there who would love nothing more than to come into this church and begin to divide and conquer. Are you hearing me? We've got some hot button topics floating around in our culture today, don't we? COVID, vaccination or not, politically, 
And we have got to be on top of this. Church, we cannot allow not even topics like that to come in and divide us. We can't do it. Be aware. Be in prayer. And when you're around your brothers and sisters here or in a Bible study, understand what the enemy is up to. Because he would love nothing more than come into this place and mess with us and divide us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so may it not be, not in our nation, not in our church, not in our families, and not in our interpersonal relationships with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. May we instead take what the enemy means for evil. Are you with me? Oh, I love this. May we instead take what <laughs> he means for evil to divide and conquer like what was going on in Corinthians in the Corinth city, right? We've already covered that. There was all kinds of division going on. They developed their own groups. That can't happen, church. But may we instead take what the enemy means for evil, destruction and division, and turn it against him. May we instead become stronger in our love for each other with bonds that cannot be broken. Exercising the fruit of the Spirit, may we instead of being overcome be the overcomers. May we instead move forward in the power of the Spirit. We must never forget that we as believers in the Lord our God have never been removed from and will continue to be in the presence of wickedness. Comes with the territory, amen? This is by divine design, by the way. In fact, Jesus even prayed specifically in John 17, 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. For reasons we don't fully understand most of the time, God has planned that we continue to live in a hostile world. He has deliberately chosen to not remove us from a wicked, non-biblical, non-Christian planet. Instead, he has promised to preserve us through the conflict. He has made possible a plan of protection and not isolation. God isn't interested in our isolating ourselves, hidden away like hermits in a cave, but rather in our living courageously on the front lines, in our no longer being ashamed. He's interested in our no longer church. If it doesn't fit well with you, cool. But for some, you're not going to like me saying this, but may, he, may we no longer get caught up in our being ashamed of the gospel message and Jesus Christ, no matter how badly it is mocked. Claiming his divine protection in the midst of an evil environment.
So if you're going to do any hiding, <laughs> let it be behind the one <laughs> who is your fortress and shield. And just follow him wherever he leads as he marches forward, keeping in mind today's confusion, today's crisis, today's hardships, today's or tomorrow's persecutions will eventually end up becoming tomorrow's victory and conquests. Back in April of 2020, some of you might remember this, Marilyn and I came and visited you all. Remember that? We come knocking on your front door. We promised you we wouldn't step in. We came knocking on your door. We just wanted to say hi, have a word of prayer with you, and we left with you a copy of Psalm 91. Remember that, some of you? I mention this because if we're going to effectively move forward for the Lord in the days ahead, we will have to live in the light and truth of that psalm, especially those first couple of verses. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I will trust. We're being encouraged here to rely on and draw from our God everything that we could ever, ever need. And this requires, church, an attitude of continual awareness of the Lord's presence and involvement in your life, and in our community, and in our nation, and in our world, even if it doesn't seem like it. You've heard me say this, our God is always working, and he is always moving. In other words, these words are written to dwellers. I want you to see this. They're not just written to anybody, they're written to dwellers. It's promises of deliverance and protection are for those who draw from, rely daily on the Lord's strength as they maintain a relationship and fellowship of closeness with Him. It is then that we realize that God is a refuge. That Hebrew term means a place of rest. It's then that we realize that he is a fortress. That Hebrew term meaning a place of defense. And please notice that this does not say that the Lord will provide these things. It says he is these things. Now, I'm sure that most of us, if not all of us, are aware of the prodigal son story. Jesus told it, it's found in Luke 15. Folks, I think, perhaps you share the opinion, maybe you do it. I think that we have become a prodigal nation. I'm going to take it another step. Could it be, generally speaking, that we have become a prodigal church? If so, like the prodigal, may we come to our senses. May we humbly return to him, come back to him in a way that he is so deserving of. Repentant, fully devoted, 
laying it all down. The father has been waiting. His arms are opened wide and the gesture is saying, I love you. I've got you. And I will continue to be with you. The thing about God's love, it's interesting because it does this. Not only does his love captivate us, but it also liberates us. It captivates while at the same time it liberates. It rejuvenates. It restores this love that God has for us. The gesture is also saying, come and see. Come and see what? That a surrender life with me is what true life was meant to be because there is no other way. Throughout Scripture, come has always been the invitation. It always has been. Just a few couple verses. Isaiah 118, you know this one. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They, they, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Isaiah 55, verse 1, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you will have no money. Come, buy, and eat. Here's another one you're familiar with, Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then I want to finish it up with a verse that is just a couple of verses away from the very end of this entire book. Revelation 22, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. So church, seek first the kingdom of God. Set your hearts on things above. You want to know why? Lots of reasons, but here's a good one. All, the, all of them are good, of course. But because today we are one day closer <laughs> to his return. I've said this before in times past, so in your living for him, in your shining your light for him, in your no longer being ashamed when he comes. There's no more time to waste, church. If you've been saying to yourself the last couple of years, you know, I'm going to get this right. I'm going to get serious. Maybe it goes back to what you've been confused about in terms of transformation. He's not trying to improve the old you. He just wants the new Jesus in you to come to the forefront. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart.